Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. They say every dog has its day, but when you're Lulu and your parents drive a Camry, every day is your day. The roomy rear seat is the perfect, whoa, is that the dog park? Backseat besties, it's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota, let's go places. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Around the NFL Podcast has outperformed its rookie contract. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hensis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. What's happening? I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a little bit nervous right now because he'd never done it before. Chris Wessling dropped a let's make some magic <laughs> Right before we started taping, and now all I can think about is the pressure to deliver a high-quality podcast. A lot of pressure, and you know, history doesn't suggest that we'll necessarily hit this out of the park. There were 23 other things mumbled by the four of us before the podcast, and that was the one thing you chose that's to what, that's own what in on? wormed its way into my mind. Well, mm-hmm. we're, we're now at the point where, like last year at this point, it was just, we just had a feeling of excitement. We were so happy to do another podcast, but now the fame has hit, the money, <laughs> the women, the drugs, and, and now we feel like now there's more pressure on us to deliver. Mm, you know what I'm saying? Are you hoarding all those benefits for yourself? <laughs> None of those spoils have come to us. <laughs> this is our big preview show of the upcoming football week where we get into every game on the schedule, a preview of them all, one by one, each game getting a special amount of time so we could really let it marinate within our souls. Um, <laughs> so we're going to get get to that. But why don't we just right off the top, uh, Mark and Wes, you are going to stay behind later today. You're going to watch the Thursday night game between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Atlanta Falcons. And then you're going to record. So let's throw it to you to talk about the game. Does that make sense? It makes kind of it technically makes sense. All right, so let's do that. All right, so we are fresh off the heels of what can only be described as a tremendous butt kicking, a fifty-six to fourteen Atlanta Falcons victory over the hapless Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm sitting here with Chris Wessling. Your thoughts? It was the kind of game where the leads to our stories write themselves. Yeah, Why was, don't you uh, tell the listeners what wait, you wrote? You know, this game was over so quickly, and the scoring from Atlanta came so rapidly that within, I'd say, seven minutes of the game starting, I IM'd you my lead. And I, you know, usually those things melt away ten minutes later, but it stuck, and uh, here it was. It was a collection of 53 men pretending to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers invaded Atlanta on Thursday night. Their ruse was quickly exposed. Very quickly exposed. <laughs> oh, that's good. 
a false football team. Mine was what happens when a perfect storm meets a comedy of errors. After falling to the inimitable Derek Anderson and a neophyte Austin Davis in the first two weeks of the season, Lovey Smith's depleted Tampa Bay Buccaneers laid a pterodactyl-sized egg in a 56-14 thrashing at the Georgia Dome Thursday night. I like it. I guess with this kind of a game, it's I, I struggle. What's the bigger story? Is it that Atlanta looked this good, or was Tampa, are they really this this bad of a football team? I thought all along... It was 35 to nothing at halftime. By the time it was 21 or 28 to nothing, I thought the story was that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers season was over. Yeah, it looks it because they beyond the injuries on defense and, you know, the questionable play from the offensive line and what that means for Josh McCown, they looked to me like a team that gave up. They I, they look they look like they laid down in the second half. They have two quarterbacks who couldn't play well. I didn't think Glennon was any better than McCown. Neither one got much help. Uh, by the time Glennon finally moved the offense, it was 56 to nothing, And the Falcons were definitely about to board the team playing at that point. And on the flip side, you know, Matt Ryan, who arguably the best quarterback in week one in that win over New Orleans, comes out tonight. They pull him midway through the third quarter with this thing on ice. He's 21 for 24, sets a franchise record in a game for completion percentage, three touchdowns and a sky-high quarterback rating. But maybe even the bigger story was the continued dominance of Julio Jones. Yeah, he was the best player on the field by far, I thought. Hester had a great night. Matt Ryan had one of the best nights of his career. But it was Julio Jones making a lot of that happen. Yeah, I thought he was the best player. Matt Ryan now, two out of three weeks. I mean, he he set a career high in yards in week one, one of the best games of his career. Tonight, he, he sets a career high in almost every percentage category you could have. So it tells me that this offense is going to continue to light it up all season long. Yeah, they have to be taken very seriously. And, you know, credit to Atlanta for what they've done with Devin Hester, who, you know, struggled to find a team for a while there after his career in Chicago. Tonight, a record-setting night for him. He breaks Deion Sanders' career record with his 20th career return touchdown. But, you know, it's it's how they're using him all over the place. He he made an excellent play on an early what would have been potentially a pick six by Buck safety, Mark Barron, he stripped him of the ball, and then he ran for a touchdown on an end around later, which basically put the nail in the coffin. He had another 25-yard reception, and he had two long touchdowns that were nullified by penalties. To me, it was just that contrast of seeing Lovey Smith across the field. And when I used to write for Roto World for fantasy football, every time the Bears talked about utilizing him as a receiver, I would say skeptic skepticism is advised because the Bears coaching staff could not creatively use him. And after three games in Atlanta, it's obvious that they can. And it just, to me, this speaks to the larger problem with this Buccaneers team. I don't know if Lovey Smith's the guy to lead them. And he couldn't creatively defend a guy that he knew so well. I, you know, I don't know why, but Tampa kept kicking the ball to Hester over and over with this game completely out of the way. I, I it, it seemed to me an odd coaching decision. After I watched uh, the Week 2 game, the Bucks game, this morning on Game Rewind, I had major issues with Lovey Smith's offensive philosophy. And tonight didn't make me feel any better about that. He's known for defense, and I came out of this game questioning his zone scheme where they don't press any receivers to the line of scrimmage, and you've got... Julio Jones, Devin Hester, Harry Douglas running scot-free through the secondary all night long. Really troubling. All right, so two quick questions before we go for you, Chris. Number one, are the Falcons a playoff team? 
I think you have to consider that they are definitely in the wild card hunt. And with the Saints at 0-2, I still feel like the Saints are the favorite in the division, but you can't rule out the the Panthers or the Falcons for that division. Second question, Lovey Smith, obviously very early to take a look at where he's at in terms of his career with this team. Really troubling out of the gate, though. Do you feel like Tampa is in a reboot-the-machine mode in terms of where he's at? They're definitely a team that's building. Uh, they're not competing. And I think they have a lack of team speed. They have problems on the offensive line. They don't know who their quarterback is. And it's we have to point out that their best defensive player, Gerald McCoy, wasn't on the field. But they were they gave up 56 points in three quarters. That's not an NFL-caliber defense. Not in the least. All right, we've got a ton of other games to cover, so let's get back down to the studio for that. Awesome. All right, gentlemen, thank you for that. Very good work. So let's now get into the rest of the games. We're going to preview each game, and I guess we'll start with something that we did last year. We got away from it last week, but we're going to bring it back. So we're going to start with picking each of us pick what is the game you most look forward to in week three, and we will start with the scientist, Chris Wessling, the mailman. What game jumps out at you? I like Steelers-Panthers. Ooh, Last year's team of ATL versus my nomination for this year's team mm, of ATL. That is sexy. I think it's sexy. So what? tell us, what, what do you think about the game? Well, Carolina, to me, still has the best set front seven in the NFL. Even without Greg Hardy, Mario Addison filled in for him, had two and a half sacks last week. They've got second-rounder Coney Ely, who's getting playing time. And Keekley and Davis are still playing as well as any two linebackers in the NFL. So... That's pretty exciting. And then a Steelers offense, to me, Le'Veon Bell, we talked about this on the last podcast. Greg wouldn't be surprised if at the end of the year he's a top five consensus running back. I wouldn't be surprised by that either. To me, he's one of the most fun players to watch right now. Marcus Wheaton, they were clearly trying to get him more involved last week, and they did so. Antonio Brown's fun to watch. I, I just think there's a really fun, two fun teams to watch. We worried at all about the lack of production from the Steelers offense last week. I mean, they do have a lot of talent. Marcus Wheaton's look good. And then they only put up six points in Baltimore. Now you got to go face one of the best defenses in the league. They imploded. They moved the ball just fine early on. They had a couple of big fumbles and they weren't the same offense. Once Antonio Brown had got knocked a little bit woozy. So to me, that was when they pretty much turned the game around when Antonio Brown wasn't right. Some of those uh, divisional AFC North tilts, especially aren't indicative of what happens outside of the division. I wonder with the Panthers' offense, who has not looked good running the ball at all this year, they're probably going to get back to Angela Williams, whether they can move it on Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh's defensive line has not been impressive. They're 30th in the NFL in rush defense right now. I think that with the Panthers a little bit misleading. A lot of it's their offensive line. Jonathan Stewart has broken more tackles than any running back except DeMarco Murray this year. And he probably has, what, two and a half yards per carry to show for it? Right. He's breaking tackles. He just needs more holes. Well, I think the Steelers' defense, which we've talked up as faster, and they are, and they have more exciting players, but they've looked like a average unit at best so far. I would say Cleveland's offense pushed them around physically, and Baltimore did the same thing, and, and that's, that's how the Panthers want to attack you too. I, I know watching like Ryan Shazier, both of his games, people are talking about how he's been out of position a lot, but there's nothing about him that 
doesn't suggest a guy who's going to be a fixture for that team for a really long time. He is so fast. And Ooh. well, and there's a reason why Kendrell, Brett, Kendrell Bell a long time ago was the last defensive rookie to start for Dick LeBeau. It takes a long time to learn his system, and that's why Stefan Tuant hasn't really played much either. He's played about 10 snaps per game. I think both of those guys, as the year goes, goes along, will contribute to a better run defense. Sessler might be the foremost expert on Rand Chazier in the entire country right now because of his weekly Rookie Watch article that everyone should Oofa. be reading. He's just focusing in on the rookies this year. You got a PhD in Chazier. Well, I'm assuming the guy to my right, Chris Wesley, has watched every snap of Chazier. I know, but you, you're like – you're typing in Shazier's name, just looking at him <laughs> and all the rookie. I'm just saying people should read the rookie watch every we, week by Sessler. We all picked the Panthers right across the board. A little surprising. A little surprised West to, didn't take his Steelers to bounce yeah. back in this game. On the road? On the road. With team of ATL it was, a, it was a bit of a coin flip game. I leaned towards the Panthers, but I, I just liked what I saw out of the Panthers last week. Cam Newton, we were worried in the preseason that he wouldn't his ankle wouldn't be right. He looked like the same old Cam Newton to me last week. Are and you, it, Chris, started, are you concerned sorry, to take a one and two Steelers team up to the board for another mm. round of team of ATL discussion? It, w- it would depend on how they look if they lose. I mean, if they lose and it's a close game and they're exciting to watch, I'll be fine with it. As Greg, Greg has pointed out, the Panthers were two and three when we picked them last year. The Steelers' offensive lines has started to look like the Steelers' offensive line of old, too, when when they stunk. We expected this group to be a lot better, and this is a really tough matchup for them. So I'll be watching those tackles who got abused last week. Mark Sessler, you highlighted the Cleveland Browns against the Baltimore Ravens as a Ooh. game that you're most excited about, obvious reasons with the Browns, I would think, but also you see this as a great AFC battle between two potential playoff teams. I think it's an wow. interesting check hey, mark I'll for carry the-, the water. Well, you know, the, what, which Ravens team are we going to get? The week one team where Joe Flacco throws for 62 pass attempts and they look completely out of their element? Or week two, I thought they, they, what we saw against the Steelers was what they brought Kubiak to Baltimore for, to run that kind of an offense. Flacco is 13 of 13 on pass attempts inside the hash marks and within 10 yards. That's a short passing game has been successful. With Cleveland, the matchup for me, because, you know, Baltimore's pass protection has been very good. And what the, what the Browns were able to do and what they tried to do last week against New Orleans was take away Brandon Cooks and Colston, take away the downfield passing at the expense of Jimmy Graham going off and even the running game going off to some degree. Now, how do you deal with the Ravens? Do you try to do the same thing with Steve Smith and Torrey Smith at the expense of Pitta and whatever run game they have? I don't know. They, I thought the Cleveland's defense versus in pre- previous years, Flacco is 11-1 and one against the Browns. They've never really game-planned to remove certain guys and succeeded at that. We saw, we saw Petten do that last week with the Saints. That's what I want to see. Can they do that with Baltimore? Let's talk worst-case scenario, Mark, and the Browns get wiped out, and it's a bad loss. <laughs> do you think it's possible that you start to hear Johnny Manziel talk for week four, if that's something that happens. Well, it's kind of like Wes just mentioned with the Steelers. It depends how they lose. Right. If, I'm saying if, if they yeah. get wiped out and look terrible on offense, can't move the ball. Yeah, I mean, if it, the, you know, the one thing about Hoyer, you can look at the nice comeback win, but a lot of his pass attempts were disturbing last week. He, he doesn't have a good deep ball. He seems out of chemistry in terms of anything that's beyond sort of an intermediate uh, rollout bootleg type pass. I mean, their, their offense is limited from that angle. Question is, though, 
what is it that man? It's not Blake Bortles sitting on the bench with a big, strong mm-hmm. arm. I'm not sure Manziel solves some of those issues in that offense. When I when I've seen the box scores or at least how many points the Browns scored, when I've dialed up those Browns games, I've expected Hoyer to play a little better than he really has. He he's played exactly like you would have expected going into the season. I don't think he's looked particularly good. No, he hasn't. I think he's kept the mistakes in terms of critical turnovers yep, to true. a minimum. He's got something like 139 attempts without a pick. Some of them could Some have been dropped picks. picks no, especially in there's week no question. One. And that's going to come. There's, he's going to make that critical mistake. Can they get beyond that with their ground game and the rest of the team? I was impressed with the atmosphere in Cleveland last Ooh, week. Yeah. That stadium was rocking. Yeah, well, they. I mean, I, that's not been an issue in the past, in the deep past when they were a good team. And I'm talking even like the, the Ronald Reagan era. Even as far back, or as not so far back as last October, Hoyer's game where he got hurt, <laughs> that crowd was into it that night. They just need something to cheer for. You well, think. you realize there are probably grandfathers in Cleveland <laughs> trying to explain to their grandsons what a winning atmosphere looks like. This is how we respond to something positive on the field. What about the revenge factor? Mike Pettin gave old Gary Kubiak a call early in the offseason. Hey, Gary. You uh, you interested in coaching maybe this year? Oh, no, I'm not sure. Man, I, I might retire. You know, I, I'm not really sure what I'm going to do. Okay, we won't interview. Big you. time revenge factor. Week or two later, whatever it is. Oh, I'll, of course, I'll take a job with the Ravens, a successful organization. I'll go over there. Now, two offenses, very <laughs> similar, clashing. Well, it's possible you could have had Shanahan that in happened. Baltimore and Kubiak in Cleveland, but now you've got the reverse and... I'll roll with Shanahan and if you're the a sliding fan. doors How of football. How dare you, you Kerry Kubiak? How dare and you? And before we move on, not only does uh, does Mark pick the Browns, he has them as his power pick, which means you're relatively certain the Browns will win and, and are well, right I'm, up. I am ordered through the corporate forces to write the power pick, so it doesn't <laughs> well, you mean can, that I'm certain. You can certain. pick any game you want, any though. Any game. This is the Sponsored one you Sponsored by Duracell. Sponsored by pick. Duracell. Great battery Fair giant. Enough. And also, you wrote Hoyer. Gonna be Hoyer? No, I just said I, I needed to get out of that, you know, that work order as fast as possible. Wow. You know, sometimes oh, I want to put seven sentences right. together. I just okay. wrote Hoyer gonna Hoyer. I don't even know if that's good. <laughs> you can forget that the MVP award with that. Uh, <laughs> the coin taken away. <laughs> with that uh, Moving forward, uh, just as Mark uh, picked the Browns, I picked the Jets and Bears as the game I'm excited about. Monday Night Football at the Meadowlands. The Jets have been an exciting team to watch so far. They're moving the ball on offense. They've had some impact plays on defense. They've also been uh, very hard to make sense of from uh, forget about game to game, quarter to quarter. They're a tough team to figure out. But there's some juice there, and you can get excited about them. The Bears coming off a really, uh, I would assume, is an emotional win for that team on a Sunday night. Great comeback, getting Colin Kaepernick to uh, really butcher that home opener at Levi Stadium. So the Bears are feeling good. The Jets are coming off that close loss to the Packers. I think it's an interesting game. I was surprised that we all picked the Jets. Shocking. Stunned, actually. 26% of America on that weekly pick'em game where you can see our picks under the little experts tag picked the Jets. 26%, 26, 26 of America. So three quarters of, of the nation picked the Bears. All five ATL members picked the Jets. So that's interesting to me. I'm and annoyed at that. I'm curious why you all think the Jets will win. Well, I wish I knew Eric Decker was not going to play. We don't know that for sure, but as we're taping here uh, Thursday, he's missed two straight practices. I think he'll play. They're my team of ATL, and so I had to, if they can't beat the Leap Bears. Well, if they can't beat the Bears, then I'm not going to continue down that road. Okay, that's fair. Wes? Well, I think from the comments I get on Twitter, people think that a lot of thought and analysis go into these picks. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm usually just going down, flipping the thing from one side to, you know, whatever my gut feel is at the time. And I don't even know why I picked the Jets. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think the Jets have shown signs. Uh, Geno Smith is really indicative of this whole team. For a quarter or a little time, you're just like, wow, this, is, this Jets team is really looking better on offense than they have at any point since Rex has been there. You know, other times not so great, but that's that's kind of the the feel. And to me, it was more of a pick against the are, Bears. I'm not buying the Bears right are now. Are we allowed to change our picks if Eric Decker does not play? Because as I've mentioned on the last two podcasts, the Jeremy Curley, David Nelson wide receiver core is a death knell for any passing game. I think we should be allowed because that offense fell apart last week when he was on the sidelines. Decker was a big uh, part of them jumping out to the 21-3 lead. They weren't the same when he was out, but they were kind of trending downward even when Decker was in there. He could have had an even bigger game. He had a nice game, Decker, a nice touchdown. He was wide open for what it would have been a 70-yard touchdown, and Geno Smith overthrew him. So They had a couple Decker's of those plays well. in the preseason too. Yeah, we, we talked about the Jets secondary so much all offseason. They've been very good. Well, I don't know about very good. I guess I mean, that, they got that's an exaggeration. And Milner, but this week is going to be tough is, is and my point. We're not even sure D. Milner is going to start again this week. Uh, he's probably going to play. He's still got the ankle issue going on. He got burned by Jordy Nelson on an 80-yard touchdown in week two. So we don't know if he's playing. We still don't know if he's good either. So there's all that stuff. But well, you're losing the number one cornerback in the NFL, according to the Milner household. <laughs> according to <laughs> D. himself. I don't even know if his parents believe that. But anyway, so we all picked the Jets. It'll be interesting to see how they play on Monday night against Jay Cutler, who has historically performed well against the Jets. Uh, all right, moving forward to Greg Rosenthal, who took the obvious one. Just call him Mr. Obvious, old Captain oh, Obvious yeah. Rosenthal. Oh, yeah. Who would want to pick the Broncos and Seahawks, the two best teams in the NFL over the last two years combined? Rematch of the Super Bowl that wasn't the greatest game ever, but these are not the same Broncos. I was going to say it might have been the worst game ever. Yeah, it was a terrible game. But I think this game's going to be a lot better. We all took the Seahawks, and that's the logical thing to do at home. But I think this is going to be a competitive game, and these aren't your same Broncos. They're going to have eight different starters on defense than the defense that lined up in that warm New Jersey night, unseasonably warm. You know, they, got, like they got the whole secondaries change. Chris Harris is back. Raheem Moore's back. Von Miller's back. Ryan Clady's back. It's a different team. Derek Wolf is back. Emmanuel Sanders is there. Right. It, 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 there we go. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think they've been dominant this year, but I think their defense is better, and that's why it'll be a good game. I feel sorry for the Broncos. Why is that? Going into Seattle with the Seahawks coming off a loss. It's true. That's rough. Pete Carroll's going to have him focus. And I don't even know if it's Pete Carroll. I think this group of players is probably underrated how smart and tough they are. They, and they have a lot of pride. I, You know, we've seen teams that are winners. The old Yankees winners with Bernie Williams, oh, Derek Jeter, Mariano Rivera. They expect point. to win every mm-hmm. time they Give suit me a up. Break. Yeah, Paulie because they O'Neal. had a $200 million hey, payroll. Look, I'm not into your little Red Sox versus Yankees thing. I'm just saying <laughs> teams that are winners and innately believe that they should win every game, I think that's what the Seahawks are right Don't now. forget Steve Balboni. <laughs> Wrong era. Oh, sorry. But a Yankee in the We're early 90s. We're talking about the 85 Royals. Well, you're talking about mental toughness. It's a great test of the Broncos because if they fall down in this game in Seattle, that's the toughest test that you could ever have because they're going to have those memories of when their dreams were crushed back in February to stick in that game. It's, I think we'll learn a little something about that. It's still Pete Carroll versus John Fox, too. <laughs> that's true. John Fox got horribly outcoached in that Super Bowl. And, and yeah, I – 
having been in that stadium week one, I'm not going to pick against Seattle. Though. That was an electric place to play. I'm sure that that's you know the best home field advantage mm. in football right now. So I will never go against the Seahawks at home. West of St. Louis. West, yeah, of course. The Edward James Dome is a special place, <laughs> hollowed ground in the NFL. I think it was it's more like hollow ground. I think yeah. it was Edward Jones, and I could be wrong, but I think that company went out of business or something like that. I would think uh, they would yes. lose the As naming a child, rights. Right, had, they did. Well, it's no longer the stadium, I don't think. As a child, uh, I had some sort of like low-level, like – 15 to 20 bucks saved in some Edward Jones account that was supposed to I, pave the way and it did from not. your paper like, I'm sorry yeah. Edward if you're out there I completely made it up it's still the name of the Ed stadium. Jones is listening to the podcast with a tear <laughs> running down his cheek too tall no different Ed <laughs> oh. Jones uh, or maybe it's the same the guy. investor uh, anyway look, we move forward now it's time for the segment that we all love so much defend your hero defend your hero defend your hero we will start with the great Chris Wessling, who got excited, and he said, I really think in this Redskins-Eagles game, one of those teams will win. According to my notes, I didn't mark which one you picked. <laughs> Come on, what do you think is the <laughs> yeah, hero of that, of that matchup? I'm thinking most likely the Redskins are your pick. Nicely deduced. Thank you very much. <laughs> Nailed it. You want some reasons? Yeah, defend, your, defend hero, sir. your hero. I've got three great reasons. All right. Go. Number one, Nick Foles has held the offense hostage through two games. The, the entire first, ga- first game he held him hostage. In the second game, they didn't move the ball until they put the ball in Darren Sproles' hands, and it was all screen passes. Foles has not played well. On the other hand, the Redskins' offense moves better with Kirk Cousins than the August, early September version of RG3. Kirk Cousins had no problem moving the ball in the Jaguars, who everyone believed were a frisky defense until that game. I didn't think they were, but... <laughs> anyway, third reason, Redskins defense. Number one in Football Outsiders DVOA right now. Part of that is because they've played the Jaguars and the Texans. Part of that is because Jason Hatcher is playing awesome. Keenan Robinson is a major upgrade on Fletcher at middle linebacker. They've got a lot of good things going on defense. They actually have a little speed on their defense this year. I like that Wesleyan has uh, constructed a scenario where he bets against Chip Kelly two times in six days and goes 0-2. <laughs> That's a fair point. Well, he got very unlucky the other day. I, I mean, that was a game the Colts really gave away. They should have won that. That's true. I, I like this. Wes showing some large stones with this choice. The Skins taking down the Eagles. I think the Redskins are a much better team than than is conventionally believed. I'm starting to think that people just believe because it was against the Jaguars that are performing that dominant doesn't mean anything. But bad teams don't crush any NFL team like that. That that was an eye-opening performance by Washington, and they played pretty well on defense the first game. You know, if it wasn't for the punt return block touchdown. Yeah, that would have been seven to seven in the first week. Well, bad teams don't have ten sacks in a game either. Right. So I'm interested. I don't think it's that crazy. I think it was a savvy pick. It feels like it's one of those early season games that you, okay, all right, the NFC East is going to be a little different. The Eagles have been severely outplayed in two different halves of their first two games this year. Right, and that's why I'd still roll with Kelly and the Eagles because they can win when they're not at their best. You do figure they're going to play better. Well, we don't well, know if Deshaun Jackson's even going to play in this They game. won't be coaching against Pep Hamilton this week. So that's that might be a problem for <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah, they have Jim Hazlitt and Jay Gruden. Have fun with that. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yes, Wes was the only person to pick the Redskins, and he has defended his hero. And now as I look a little closer, I see that Chris Wesley has two hero picks. 
Defend your hero. Get excited, America, because Chris Wessling believes that the Buffalo Bills are going to protect their home turf against the Chargers, a team of ATL nominee, and win it. And Chris Wessling, tell us why. Defend your hero. I think if any of you guys have watched the Bills game on Game Rewind, you'd be taking them too. The Chargers were impressive in beating the Seahawks. I thought the Bills were even more impressive in basically tearing apart the Dolphins. Their defense, I I was skeptical. I thought Patton was so good with them last year. I thought Kiko Alonso was great. Jarris Bird was great. I thought they're going to miss all those guys. This defense can harass the quarterback. They don't miss any tackles. Hmm. And they're sticky in coverage. They're always getting their hands on the ball in coverage. Corey Graham had a great game. Uh, Nickel Roby, Searcy, they they were all flying. Aaron Williams, they were flying around the ball. They're a different team at home. That stadium was probably a little bit more electric than Cleveland's, which also was. I, I like everything about the Bills at home right now. This It reminds me a little bit of when they were 2-0 and a couple of years ago and had a big week three game. No one thought they were going to win, and they took out the Patriots with Ryan Fitzpatrick to go 3-0, and a start mm. that no one remembers because it didn't go anywhere, and, and that's what happened. Buffalo's had some of these quick starts over the last few years. Not that it has anything to do with this team. Here's the thing that's a little interesting to me. They beat Jay Cutler in week one, and you know Jay Cutler, you can never figure that guy out. Beat Ryan Tannehill in week two. Ryan Tannehill's another guy that's tough to figure out this stage. Phillip Rivers, you know he, he's probably going to give you a good effort. He's going to make some plays. He's just They're coming off a great win over the best team in the league. That's a much taller task, and I think it's going to go back. E.J. Manuel is going to have to make some plays. The defense, I don't think, is going to win this alone. And I just I have yet I don't trust them yet. And I still haven't seen enough this year to think that we can now get behind EJ Manuel as a quarterback of a big time team. One thing to like about the Bills' offense, they you know Miami wrecked New England in that Week One in terms of their pass rush against the Patriots line. Bills didn't allow a sack against the Dolphins last week. EJ Manuel looked pretty good last week. Had a what? couple nice throws. Sammy Watkins couldn't much, hold, hold on to. But it, it would have looked a lot nicer. He had, a, he had a perfect pass up the sideline to Sammy Watkins that Brent Grimes made a really nice play on, or else that would have been a 60-yard touchdown. There's another one, too. Uh, Watkins was running wide open across the middle of the field right in front of the end zone, and E.J. Manuel missed him by about six inches. <laughs> yep, slant route. <laughs> Sammy Watkins could have had 10 for 180 or 190 and three mm. touchdowns instead of what he had, 8, 117, and 1. Well, the bomb was uh, – I thought that was more on Watkins. I thought it was Brent, nice Brent Grimes made a play. nice play. Yeah, I mean, it was that wasn't that, EJ Manuel's fault. Though, no, 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 that was a very good. But throw. the slant route. So do we? But that's what he can. Are they do? Do they? Does that coaching staff deserve some credit for I using abs- EJ Manuel? Absolutely. The right way? That's. I mean, that's what they're doing. They're coaching him up. They've completely turned around their preseason. Remember how we were talking yeah. about? And now they're one of the hottest teams. They're a team that, for what it's worth, the statistical analysis crew likes a lot. The Football Outsider says them as number three right now so far in the NFL. And uh, 538, who does these little rankings, now projects them to have nine wins on this I, season. I do think that uh, having Manuel will catch up to them eventually. I don't think you can keep building your offense on play action and not attack teams down the field and not ever go no huddle. I, I, to me, I, I just I feel like you can hide, they're hiding him now, which is what this, the 49ers used to do with Alex Smith a little bit. 
I don't know if Manuel's Alex Smith. I might have to assign myself this game. I mean, this is good because I think the Chargers' defense is a lot more watchable than it used to be, too. I think Melvin Ingram's playing well. Dwight Freeney's playing really well for them. They're better this year than they were a year ago, too. For the people at home, Greg has we each watch games on Sundays, and Greg has supreme power deciding <laughs> who watches what. And you guys, can, you guys, you get to watch your w- precious little well. Browns every week. You get the Jets, <laughs> and then we have a little draft pick sometimes, or not. I was going to say, I haven't seen that draft pop up too often this season. <laughs> this, yeah, this year you've just gotten it. And, have, yeah. and I know your preference. I basically know what you guys want. You've been getting your Cowboy. You like watching the Cowboys and the Giants for some reason. Give me a break. <laughs> it's not true, and I haven't watched the Cowboys game yet. Uh, but put me on the Cowboys. I'd love to see Tony Romo. So see how All he's right, looking. this All week right. you got him. Finally, one more hero pick. The 49ers coming off that very bad loss on Sunday night. Now travel to Arizona. Big division showdown against the Cardinals team that probably does not have Carson Palmer, um, as of taping, this this nerve issue in his shoulder seems to be uh, something they can't quite figure out. So it seems like Drew Stanton could get a second straight start. Kevin Patra doubled up. Not only did he was this a hero pick by Kevin Patra, he also made him the Duracell power pick. Oh yeah, get it. so what is it when you have a hero pick and the power pick? We got to think about that. A heroic a, power pick. It's a power hero. <laughs> Might suggest a night of drinking in Chicago. <laughs> Perhaps we'll <laughs> lean on the listeners on Twitter <laughs> to come up with something. Uh, what happens when those two things combine? Uh, since Patra is not with us today, I will turn to the boss, the man that makes the schedule, uh, however he he sees fit, to defend <laughs> Patra's hero, defend his hero. The Cardinals are very good home team this year. They've been better than the sum of their parts, which I believe is a sign of good coaching. And they've got a lot of offensive talent, and they're playing a 49ers team I don't think we've figured out yet. I don't, you know, that first game against the Cowboys was great performance by Kaepernick, but it was a little fluky, everything that happened for them defensively. The the next one against the Bears was a very fluky game. They're still figuring out who they are. I don't think they're some juggernaut team. Cardinals got lucky to win against the Giants, as Dan explained so well. Thanks, uh, Wes. In Sunday night's podcast, that the Giants basically imploded. Cardinals really didn't do anything to win it. And Drew Stanton didn't do much after halftime last week. He didn't play well. Yeah, I don't know about – I think the 49ers are the more desperate team right now, and I think they're the better team. I kept my Cardinals pick last week, even when we found out it was Stanton. But this week, because I just thought the Giants aren't good. But this week, that's why I didn't take the Cardinals. I would pick them if Carson Palmer was Arizona, sneaky, tough place to win. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, what what – I don't know about the the 49ers yet. We just kind of assume they're the same teams – from a year ago, they're, but they're, I don't think they're the same on defense. Moving forward, gentlemen. We go through the rest of the games now. These games deserve our love, even if they don't have any special significance to them that <laughs> you know makes them different. They're still important football games. And we start with the Tennessee Titans and the Cincinnati Bengals. Well, this game's not that important. Not that important, but I will tell you that the Bengals have looked very good, even without A.J. Green for most of week two. Uh, they played well. Uh, A.J. Green, is he playing this week? What's going on with him? He was at practice on Thursday trying it out. I probably won't know for sure until Sunday. Marvin Lewis was kind of optimistic, which was news to A.J. Green. Right. They have a bye week next week, so you would, you know, they might be cautious with it, but we'll see. Vontez perfect, too. Two concussions in seven days. He was playing awesome at linebacker, even better than last year when he led the NFL in tackles. If he can't play, that's another big loss. You know, we like it's easy to overlook the Bengals, and we hype up the Seattle home field scenario. 
Bengals 10 straight wins at home. That's the more, most they've had in 15 years. Not including the most important one. I understand, not the playoffs. But I, <laughs> my issue with Cincinnati is, for me, just as a football fan, they've long been dull to watch. I just find them boring. But I think that Hugh Jackson, going back and watching the first two games, Hugh Jackson cannot be blamed with that this season. I think he's got that offense more interesting, you know doing some interesting stuff. Because they've got Hugh live crew. What's that? Gio Bernard and Jeremy Hill. That's that's the name? That's the name. That's Hugh what live they're going crew. with? They're, they're going to sit on that Hugh one? Live <laughs> Hugh Live Crew. Let me go back to the lab with Where, that one. Yeah, Gio that Bernard, is, by the way. That's There's already been a mock Two Live Crew uh, band out there in the 90s, and that was Two Live Jews <laughs> with the hit Oi Me So Humid. I don't know if you guys remember that I one. do remember that. Yeah. I definitely don't remember that. Um <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's a culture thing. I, I miss podcast skews even wider. By the way, uh, did you know, gentlemen? I lost my train of thought now. Yeah, that with all that two live Jew talk, <laughs> that'll do it to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Gio Bernard rewatching the game. Uh, I think we talked about this on Sunday, and perhaps that maybe he was touching the ball too much. Uh, got over thirty touches, if I recall. Thirty-two. Yeah. Thirty-two. He looks amazing. Yes. He does. That guy is awesome. I knew we knew that last year. But I, he's electric. He, I mean, you could make a list, short list of the most dynamic guys once you get the ball in their hands. He's got to be near the top. He's amazing. One caveat to that. He is unstoppable in the passing game. He's averaged under three yards per carry over his last ten games. Mm, that's interesting. There was Which this, is why they should go to Jeremy Hill quite a bit. There was this ridiculous piece I had to write in the spring. All these off-season stories about every player is going to be amazing. And Gio had this thing, I am going to have big plays. They've engineered this whole offense to get me open in space. Every player in the league is going to get open in space in May. But he actually, in the passing game, they have done a good job with that. And he breaks some tackles. He's a little stronger than you expect. He jumps over people. It's amazing how well they played last week against Atlanta without Eifert, Green, and uh, Marvin Jones. And yet they're still pretty good. Should we say anything about this tight tons? Team? Not too much because we got to move on. But oh, I don't know who they are, so <laughs> That's I, what I figured. I, yeah, Jake Locker. It was the bad Jake Locker last week, and I don't know if these wide receivers can get open. This Bengals secondary was on top of that yeah, Atlanta that, wide receiver crew. I mean, it's impressive how they coach these guys up because they're veterans that no one really wanted for the most part. Both of the games nickname. that Bengals have played, the, the DBs have been all over the wide receivers. <laughs> Adam Jones, by the way, told the rookies, "Get your money while you can." Oh yeah. yeah, it's it's at a, it's Pac-Man's first game against the Titans. If you were taking bets, you know, five or six years ago, this here. would be a weird bet anyways. But he was out of the league in 2009. He did 12 run-ins with the law. Here he is in his 10th year. Get your money he, while you can. He's trucking along as a nice little role player. Stick it to the Titans, Pac-Man. Here's a good game, and I'm surprised. I guess I'm a little surprised no one uh, highlighted it, but the Green Bay Packers coming off the win against the Jets head to Detroit to face the Lions. The Lions had that great opening, and then they came down to earth against the Panthers. So you got two one-on-one teams that have showed um, a lot in one game and not a lot in another. So maybe we're going to see what these true teams, what their true value is, or maybe maybe the home team will prevail. I don't know. How do you guys see this game playing out? This was the hardest game to pick. I thought. I agree. I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't tough. decide. I went with the Packers. I believe Mark was with me on Green Bay, and everyone yeah. else took Detroit, which I I would have no problem with at home. Uh, yeah, I still think the Lions are a good team, and I thought last week that game could have easily gone in their favor. Their field goal kicker missed two kicks, and the Calvin Johnson roll came back to bite Calvin Johnson again in the end zone. He should have had a touchdown. They moved the ball on a on a good defense. I think they've looked better than the Packers overall. I just 
I don't know. I had a hard time picking against Aaron Rodgers in the division. That's fair. We spent a lot of time talking about Green Bay's defense, you know, with such shorty that they were going to be so much tougher to deal with. But you know what? They're one of these teams that kept their coordinator around, and frankly, that operation looks no different to me. We've let Don Capers off the hook on this podcast while burying Jim Haslett. Dan, Dan doesn't. Dan I feel like no, Dom Capers caught Dom some Capers. heat last yeah, offseason. I have. Yeah. I've crushed him before. I yeah. think it's. But that was two years ago. I wrote about him after they got bounced out of the playoffs one year. He came back. He's got nine lives. But you get the feeling that maybe this is his last chance. I don't know. <laughs> I just kind of have a bit of a sessler that this might be it if they if they again lose another year of Rodgers' prime because of defensive reasons. We'll see what happens. Uh, but yeah, as far as this game goes, Greg and Mark chose the Packers. And Wes, myself, and Patrick t- t- picked the line. So very a split. That's a tough game to figure out. I d- yeah, I, they have talent on their defense. It just doesn't seem like it's coming out. Clay Matthews has been quiet. Peppers played well last week. Yeah. Wasn't tough for me to figure. Mike out. Daniels, our making the leap candidate, had a great game last week. Yeah, I always that was who was. Did we have two Packers as a making the Dayton leap? Jones and Mike Daniels. But Daniels were kind was of a one of them. Deal. I always confused Mike Neal and Mike Daniels. But Daniels, Daniels is a much like. better player. Yes. Two 0-2 teams face off in Jacksonville. The Colts coming off a very bad loss at home on Monday night to the Eagles. Now go to Jacksonville. And uh, you start 0-3 in the NFL, and you're basically done. The The numbers will back that up. You still have a shot, obviously. But once you get in that deep, it's very hard to climb your way out. So both these teams need to win. Uh, the Jaguars have looked terrible through two games, so I don't think there's any reason why we should think they're going to hold serve. But the Colts haven't been so great either so I think it's maybe a closer game than some people think but I think personally I think the Colts take this what happens when a team without a pass rusher squares off against a team without an offensive line mm. Mm. the world just implodes yeah, on itself Angels black cry. hole territory earth vacuum <laughs> vacuum in our conversation with this game well by the way andrew no, one, luck, no one's excited andrew luck had never lost back-to-back games in his career before monday there's no way he loses three games in a row even if he has to carry this team on his back i think he gets the job done well i think if you're jacksonville you still have to look at this obviously as a year where you're developing the whole program for the colts though and just because of the division they're in assumed to be soaring towards the playoffs with an incomplete roster just based on Andrew Luck. An 0-3 team hasn't made the playoffs since the Bills in 1998. So if you go 0-3 and you lose to Jacksonville, right, you're in hot water. Yeah, they, their two first games haven't been that alarming, to be honest. In Denver, they played pretty well in the second half. It's a close game. They should have won the Eagles game against a good team. The lack of the pass rush and just the lack of anything exciting defensively I think is going to be a problem but not this week it's it's interesting how two plays can change a narrative Trent Richardson was having his best game as a Colt until he fumbled and then couldn't pick up a first down late in the game right but that's what Pep Hamilton said too that this was Richardson's coming off one of his best games as a Colt and we want to ride that so one of his best games as a Colt he had 70 yards and two fumbles yeah in New England you get benched for that yeah, yeah. It was. I mean, he had some nice runs up the middle, but he was. He's clearly not. He's not no Ahmad Bradshaw. What this if, is the one-year anniversary, by the way, of Trent Richardson being traded to mm. the Colts. One of the great trades in Browns history, Mark. Well, and let's remember when these things happened, how that was viewed for the first couple months. That Cleveland is a fiery, you know, gigantic dumpster fire that doesn't know how to run a football. <laughs> and how did team. the organization reward their front office for that trade? 
Well, they sent them packing. We were mixed on it. For the record, we a couple. We were we were saying we were it was mixed. a good move. I thought I thought that the Colts made a great move when they traded for him, and I couldn't have been more wrong. Yeah, that was definitely the majority viewpoint on it. Uh, moving forward, the Patriots, who clearly there's something involved with the schedule makers and the Patriots in bed together. The just coming <laughs> off a Vikings game where they it's got the, determined by a formula made sure. years in advance, very yeah. salacious, figured out by Bill Belichick. It's uh, a after piece of paper on the back up, of a domino. After going up to, go up to Minnesota to face Matt Castle and the Adrian Petersonless Vikings, now they get to come home and play who? The Raiders. Oh, who are we going to pick in this who one? Who did guy? your team open the season against? Whatever. Different. <laughs> well, I know a lot of people are predicting a Raiders upset here and saying it's going to be a really oh, difficult a game. A lot of people. Bill Belichick struggles against rookies and guys like Derek Hart. <laughs> but I, I go the other That's way. I think, I think the Patriots are going to win this convincingly. That's wow, bizarre. You have guts on top of guts. The avant-garde Rosenthal just cannot be stopped. <laughs> you picked New England. That's. I'm just saying they're a veteran team, and to me, you look at the Raiders. They're still figuring things out. A lot of new free agents, young players. So you do go you, with experience. Do you have a Sessler that Tom Brady might play well against the <laughs> Oakland secondary? I I'm gonna enjoy. Actually, I'm not gonna watch this game. I don't assign myself the Patriots every week. When they've got a real stinker of a game, one of you guys can have that. <laughs> Thank you, you for that. No, you yeah. you got to take this game. you got to fall on this sword. I'll Come take on. this game. Yeah, well, why not? It's not that. It still could be interesting. I just no, take well, a few. I'll hours. write my own special narrative about this one. <laughs> Here's your narrative. The Raiders suck. Whoa. Whoa hey, I didn't bro. say it. Charles Woodson did. Oh, okay. Oh, I see what You're you did You're off the hook. There. Right. The I see league what office. you did there. I'm hanging up the phone. The league office will never Hey, look, that's which is funny because all it took was two games to change what Lamar Woodley and Maurice Jones-Drew said about going to the Super Bowl. Hmm. Now they suck. Didn't Derek Carr look competent last week? Or it was a I kept better last reading week? that, and I didn't. I, I like watched <laughs> the game this on? morning, and I had all no right, idea where right, that was coming right, from. All right. We all picked the Patriots. The Raiders need to show some life before they get a little more time in this podcast. Moving on, the Minnesota Vikings, uh, still without Adrian Peterson, who as we, we talked about yesterday, AP is deactivated for God knows how long. Now head to the Saints. Uh, to play in the Superdome. This this might even be a worse beating than the Raiders take. Uh, that's how I feel. What do you guys think? Tough tough to beat the Saints at home when you've had your best players stripped away. You know, if you're Norv Turner, this is an ugly case of deja vu because he was Cleveland's coordinator a year ago when in week two they lost their featured back. And what that did lead to in Cleveland, not to wins, but it did lead to having to completely rely on a passing game that went hell's bells with Josh Gordon and Jordan Cameron. So you've got Cordero Patterson. You've got Kyle Rudolph. I think Rudolph's going to see a ton of work. And they've got to basically lean on a wide receiver as one of their freakiest backfield options and maybe a little bit of Jarek McKinnon along with our Wes's best friend, Matt Asiata. A uh, couple of things on that. I was not surprised to see Kyle Rudolph on the injury report this week with an uh, abdominal injury. He was lumbering last week after he looked faster than ever in August. So that note, and then Jarek McKinnon, I think we'll see more of him this week. He had He's 23 of, snaps last week after three in the week one. And one of the most freakish athletes in the NFL. Let's see if uh, Matt Khalil, no one ever, I mean, look, he's an offensive lineman, but he's a, he's a guy that they expected to be a pillar. And he got abused last week by Chandler Jones. It's going to be a tough matchup for him in the Superdome with all that noise. He's been pretty bad here for a year and a half now. The around the NFL team isn't fully sold on the Houston Texans yet because they are going to the Meadowlands to face the Giants on Sunday. And uh, I believe 
myself, and Wes believe the Texans will win. But we have three around the NFL writers who think the Giants will get on the board. So the the Texans are looking to go 3-0. and The Giants are looking to avoid going 0-3. Mark, I'll ask you, why do you think the Giants get in the win column? Well, you guys Sunday? talked about the Packers-Lions being the toughest game for you to pick, and that was tough. But this one, for me, uh, I just went back and forth between the two. I don't really have a convincing argument for New York, except <laughs> that I think they beat themselves to a large degree last week. Houston, I you know, I, I had Houston up until the last minute, so I, I can't sit here and give you a – I can't sell you on New York. I'm sorry. Eli looked better last week. There's a reason. He looked pretty good. I don't know. Eli Manning's no reason to make a, a wager on a game. He, he did look better. better. They finally moved the ball, but he also had two interceptions and what should have been a strip sack that was overruled. Right. One of the interceptions was just the last play of the game where they, it didn't make any difference. They were down by He 12. played a lot better. And the other one was on a tip, right, I believe. I, I don't remember enough. Tom Coughlin, probably going to the Hall of Fame, right? Probably. Borderline. borderline. Probably. It's hard for coaches to get in. Probably. And the Texans are a much better coach team right now. Hmm. They have really not made mistakes in their first two games. They're moving the ball well. They're playing solid defense. I think they're just a better team than the Giants. I, I picked it kind of for the reason that Wes uh, might have picked them last week, and he likes to use just the boomerang effect that, in the end, these teams, to me, neither one of them is a, a winless type of team, and neither one of them is an undefeated type of team. New York really needs this win badly and I just figure they're going to stay in the mix at least and find a way to get it. By the way, number one in the NFL, I know we love yards per attempt around these parts. Uh, interesting. This comes from uh, Berger down, downstairs. Number one in the league right now, Andy Dalton through one game, two games. Ryan Fitzpatrick, number two in yards per attempt so far. Well, they asked Jason Pierre-Paul what he was scared of when it came to the Houston Texans. Yes. One word response. Nothing. You know, JPP's got to pipe down well, until listen, he's like JPP again. He played well last week. I like that confidence. One note on your little <laughs> burger stat. Yes. That's, let that be a lesson to you about taking too much out of the first two weeks of the season. Right. Has Michael Berger gone Madonna on us? Is he just burger at this point? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the top four players right now in QBR on ESPN, which I think is a great stat. So do I. And granted, again, it's only two weeks, and some of these guys only played one. Number one, Kirk Cousins. Number two, Peyton Manning. Number three, Derek Anderson. Number four, Ryan Fitzpatrick. So that's, that's what happens size. with stats after two weeks. Fitzy playing decent, though. Not killing yes, him. Yes. No. You yeah, got to give him some credit. You got you to give him a lot. I don't think anybody thought he was going to be uh, the guy that was keeping him in games. Uh, all right, moving forward. Two games left, gentlemen. The Dallas Cowboys heading to St. Louis to face the Rams. Rams, who came up with that nice win uh, in Tennessee, uh, you know, Tell everybody to shut up after they got beat up at home in the opener against the Vikings. Cowboys bounce back. Tony Romo, we talked about on Wednesday's podcast, maybe hasn't looked himself so far and excused himself from practice on Wednesday with some back stiffness. So it'll be very interesting. That's, to me, what I'm really interested in, seeing how Romo looks, and that's why I'm personally requesting to watch You've this got game it. on Sunday. Thanks, you got it. And Austin Davis, fireworks show. Yeah, Indoors. get ready for Austin Davis. So we all picked the Cowboys. And, Wes, you made this your Duracell great battery giant power pick. <laughs> yes, I agree with Greg that Romo has not looked good. He's probably looked worse than he has at any point in his career. I don't necessarily believe that means he's going to look bad every week the rest of the way. I'm, I have a little more faith in him than I do in Austin Davis, who did look good, who moved the offense. But to me, he's a backup quarterback. He certainly does not have an NFL arm. If I'm, if I'm the Cowboys and Romo isn't necessarily 100% at this point, the Bucks of all teams, slashed the Rams last week on the ground. 
144 yards for Bobby Rainey. DeMarco Murray, I don't stop him running all day long. You just unleash the guy. Do you know how many yards DeMarco Murray has averaged in two career games versus the Rams? Well, I was told downstairs that we are not to point to teams or players Record versus teams. <laughs> no, that was that was so. fantasy well, analysis. That was it wasn't directed I, at us. This is more about how Demar- Demarco Murray is running as well now as any running back in the NFL. Yeah, and I believe he's averaged over 200 yards in his two games versus the Rams in his career. This was one of the toughest games. I really wanted to take the Rams because I had a feeling all you sheep were going to go with the big flashy star in Dallas. But that was why. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm just carry on. Shots for fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't bear my to take uh, the Rams after watching Bobby Rainey, you know, run through the Rams. That this isn't really that tough a defense. And so I, I went with your point. I just there think DeMarco go. Murray will go for two fifty again. It would be more imposing to face the Rams in the St. Louis Library than <laughs> the environment they've created for football games. You talking about the Ed Jamestone again? The Eddie, mausoleum. Ed Jones, excuse Eddie. me. That guy. That guy built a palace to football. I, there's a real, very realistic possibility that the Rams are two and one after all this nonsense. I mean, you have, you guys have to admit this is almost a coin flip type of game. The Cowboys aren't. Yeah, so, I don't. Think I made it my power Cowboys. pick. That's true. I guess you won't admit. Alana <laughs> McLean, though, uh, early comeback player of the year favorite. It might not play in this game. Oh yeah, what's going on with him? He missed practice two Uh-oh. days around here. Finally, the Kansas City Chiefs head to Miami and uh, to play the Dolphins. And I thought this was interesting. Ryan Tannehill, who has not played very well, not played terribly necessarily, but not not great football at all and doesn't seem to be progressing through two weeks, came out and acknowledged it uh, and said, I haven't been putting the ball in the right spot. I haven't been on my best, and it's got to change. It's got to change fast. He's right about that. Greg, do you see Tannehill, get, first of all, playing well in this game, or and do you see him being better this year than he was last year, I, or is he plateaued? No, I think he will be better because he's in a better offensive system overall that can run the ball, and I definitely think he'll be better this week because I don't think the Chiefs' secondary is very good, and that's why I made it my power pick. They played well last week. They did? No, they didn't. No, what am I, why am I admitting secondary that? Did not, has well, not the, played um, well the Chiefs played well. The Chiefs played well as a team, but they didn't play well on defense. They just played keep away. I mean, Manning threw nine and a half yards per attempt, three touchdowns, and they scored. I mean, they made some plays in the second half, but – any, I, I don't believe in this Chiefs defense long term at all. If if Matt Castle's fatal flaw is that he's incapable of throwing a touch pass, Ryan Tannehill's fatal flaw is that he can't convert third downs. Hmm. He's one of the worst in the NFL since he entered the league in that, and he was terrible at it again at Buffalo last week. On the other hand, I th- I still think Alex Smith is a he's playing better over the last ten games. They, it wasn't his fault they lost last week. He played well. They need to get the ball to Travis Kelsey, and they need to increase his snaps. Jamal Charles is a major guy to watch, too. He has the high ankle sprain, but he's practicing. But you don't know you know, if he's going to be Jamal Charles, if he's on the field. We talked about 0-3, by the way. Is you're pretty much finished. So there's got to be maybe a little added urgency on the Chiefs' side at 0-2 going into Miami. It's going to be hot in Miami, I would assume. Uh, so a tough game. Yeah, Cameron Wake. Meet Eric Fisher, and you might as well just bring the clown suit with you on the way to the That's stadium. The number one overall pick you're talking about. I think he's you been sue. awful. He All was week. okay in the run game last week, but still cannot protect Alex Smith. All right. That's it for the preview for week three. We'll be back on Sunday night to go over. Once again, all the games uh, from week three and uh, look ahead to Monday night. So that is it. And get, get excited for that, people. And, gentlemen, great work this week. 
Thanks, right back Dan. at you, Dan. You know, You've done an outstanding really, job. You, well, thanks. I, you you know, really were terrific. You're the MVP this week. You know what? Stop it, Greg, because <laughs> you're the best and you're a boss. No, the boss. <laughs> All right, this is getting That's it. All yes, right. Let's get out of here. Until next week, this is Dan Hansen signing off for The Sizzler, The Mailman, The Boss, and TD behind the glass. Until Sunday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. They say every dog has its day, but when you're Lulu and your parents drive a Camry, every day is your day. The roomy rear seat is the perfect, whoa, is that the dog park? Backseat besties, it's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota, let's go places.